Hey, this is Keith. I'm the pastor of Blaze Church. Welcome to our podcast. I know today's message is going to inspire you, encourage you, and lead you to know God more. If you want to connect with us, visit us online at blazechurch.org. Enjoy today's message. We are continuing our series today called Happiness, and I want to talk about guilty pleasures, about guilty pleasures. How many of you are you familiar with that term, guilty pleasure? Right, a guilty pleasure, it, most often it's referred to in something that like you enjoy doing, you have fun doing it, but you may not tell people you enjoy it because you're a little bit embarrassed. Like some of, you, some of you husbands are like, yeah, my wife makes me watch these Hallmark Christmas movies. But inside you're like, I'm so excited to watch a Hallmark Christmas movie. You don't tell your buddies, your buddies have trucks and you go fishing about it, but you, that's a guilty pleasure. Like you just, you enjoy it. Um, and there are these things that we enjoy in life. Now, the other thing that I think this term should well up in us is maybe I enjoy this thing, but I'm not sure if I should be. Like guilty pleasure. Like there's some guilt connected to the fact that, hey, I'm, I'm having fun here. I'm having joy here. I'm experiencing this pleasure. But the question follows up, well, well, should I? Why do I feel bad about it? So as we're talking about happiness, because inevitably there are things that make us happy in this world, I want us to ask this question today, and it's very specific to those of you who have surrendered your life to Jesus, but it applies to all. Here's the question. Can Christians enjoy things? Can Christians enjoy things? things. And, and we say that because maybe for you today, you may be a Christian, which means that you've given your life to Jesus. Uh, he is Lord of your life. And there's question marks now that's kind of like, um, can I still enjoy that? <laughs> and maybe there are, there are some of you who you're not a believer today and you're, you're kind of thinking about it, but you've met a Christian and you knew them before they were a Christian. And you kind of said like, you were a lot happier before Jesus. <laughs> you, you, you had more fun then. You, you seem to enjoy life then. And now, like, I, I don't know that I want all that misery. And, and like, you just don't laugh. You, you don't smile. Is your face okay? You're like, you, you don't smile now that you're a Christian. So there's this question that should come up, like can Christians enjoy things? And so as we explore happiness, because things make us happy, we have to ask this question, if you are a believer today, or if you're considering being a follower of Christ, which we highly encourage you to do so, because there's nothing like knowing Jesus, amen? There's nothing like living for him. And there is joy and pleasure to be found when it comes to a relationship with Jesus. So, where have we been so far? Well, first we discovered that when Jesus says happy, does anyone remember a couple weeks ago, the Greek word, anyone? Makarios, right? Makarios. And when Jesus says Makarios, what he's saying there is not so much happiness based on what you have, but who you are. And that's good news. That you get to experience a happiness that is connected to a relationship with Jesus Christ. Like, that's where he starts. He says, blessed are, happy people are, and really saying they're connected to me. And so last week we took that and we opened it more and said, well, what about my circumstances? What about what I face in life? What about the things that I'm going through? They're not bringing me much happiness. And Paul says, guess what? For the believer in all circumstances, I can still have contentment. 
I can still have happiness. Why? Because my contentment is not connected to circumstance. It's connected to Christ. And that's a message you and I won't find in this world. We're told, oh, you want to be happy, change your circumstance. Jesus says, I will bring your contentment. You may still have all the same challenges, but you have a happiness that goes beyond it. So now let's talk about stuff. Let's talk about the pleasures of this world. Is it possible for believers to have pleasure without the guilt? Is, is that allowed? We're, we're going to talk about it. It's, it's a heavy, heavy concept. So for the next five hours, we are going to... <laughs> That's nervous laughter. <laughs> like, bro, you, you, you're giants are out, but I kind of want to watch the three o'clock game, dude. For the next, next 20 minutes or so. And I say that because, look, I can't answer it. We're not going to answer every question. And I'm certainly not the answer man and any of that. But we're going to explore this so that this week you go home with scripture and the Holy Spirit and you start asking these questions. This is just kind of like a starter for what God's able to do. So let's go back to the beginning. When God created, when he made everything, does anyone know the three words that he said when he was creating? What did he say when he finished each day? It is good. It is good. Think about that. When God created, God said, it is good. And I just, I want us to not just read that, but think about that. Like when God's making everything, it's day four. And it says that he made the stars and the lights and the sun and the moon and all of it. And what does he say? He looks at the stars. And he goes, man, what does he say? It is good. Then he makes, he makes flowers, the intricacies of a flower, the beauty, the seeds that are there, the colors that are there. And what does he say? He looks at it and he says, it is good. And then he makes cats. And he says, well, I did good with everything else. So I, I have two cats, so I can say that. So don't send me emails, okay? But God makes everything. And look at this, even when he made you, despite what you say about you, despite what your past says about you, despite what others have said about you, despite what your own thoughts are saying about you every day, God made you and what did he say? It is good. He said it's good. I'll show you Genesis chapter one, verse 31. God saw all that he had made. That includes you, includes the cats, includes the flowers, the stars, all of it. And he says, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. I think some of us just need to hear that truth this morning because you are so negative in your own thoughts about who you are. Because all day long, culture tries to sell you a lie that you need to be better, that you need to change, that you need to fit this context. No, no, God says, I made you the way I made you made you to be a man, made you to be a woman. I made you. It is good. It's freedom. It is good. N.T. Wright, theologian, author says, creation was from the beginning an act of love. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. But we have to ask, well, what happened? And what happened is that sin entered the scene. Paul writes in Romans that through Adam, one man, sin spread to everyone. And so death spread. So now what God made and he said, it is good, sin enters and now there's a distortion. There's a, a perversion. That word pervert simply means to twist, to change the intended order. So now the things that God said, it is good because of sin. What was the first thing that Adam and Eve experienced when they sinned? Guilt, shame, the pleasure that they had in perfection. Suddenly, we're naked. <laughs> Like there's this guilt that you didn't even care about your nakedness before. Oh, because it was a pleasure that God gave that wasn't tainted by sin. But now sin distorts. 
So God, he looks and he says, it's good. But here's what we need to hear. Just because there is this, this sin, it doesn't mean that there's still not beauty, pleasure, joy, and fun to be found in the world. There's, there's this extreme form of self-denial. And I say extreme. Uh, Hugh, Hugh Welchel writes about it. He says this, yet some Christians believe that because of the fall, because there is sin, this physical world is no longer good. They believe the enjoyment of material things has no place in the life of a believer. So a complete rejection of all things pleasure, fun, and good. Like, nope, I'm a Christian now, can't enjoy that. Throughout the history of the church, Christians have been tempted to devalue the richness of creation as if it's more spiritual. Have you met someone? It's like, I'm just trying to be spiritual. Like me, you're trying to be a killjoy right now. Like you, you don't smile. You don't have fun. You don't, you don't have joy as if it's more spiritual to live a life devoid of beauty and music and literature and painting and all the other things that man has produced out of God's good bounty. Now, I don't know how many this direct application will be for, but I believe there's some. You just need to hear this. What God said is good is still good. Like what God said is good is still good. There is still beauty and goodness and joy to be found in the world that he created. Like there's pleasures for us, but here's, here's the grace of our God. God gives us limits. Everyone say limits. He gives us limits. He gives us boundaries. He gives us like these guidelines and parameters so that we might experience the joy of the pleasure without the guilt of the pleasure. Did you follow that? He gives us the boundary so that you and I might experience the joy that he's made without the guilt that comes connected to it because of sin. But we need a guide. We need something. Otherwise, I mean, what are we going to do? Like, well, God made it. Feels good. Let's go. That's not God's best. So our original question, can Christians enjoy things? Well, I'm going to offer you, and I invite you to write these down, or if you have the best memory in the world, don't write them down. Just remember them. Three questions that believers get to ask because of a relationship with Jesus when it comes to enjoying pleasure in this world. And here's the first question. Are you ready? Say, I'm ready. ready. I didn't believe that. Say, I'm ready. ready. There you go. There you go. Joe's ready. Is it sin? The first question that you and I need to ask if we have surrendered our lives to Jesus as we're experiencing pleasure, we've got to ask, is it sin? Now, that's offensive. That's not popular. Why? Because we live in a world that doesn't say start with that question. We live in a world that says start with, does it feel good? Am I having fun? We can't even ask a morality question anymore. Is it right? Because morality is so subjective now. Like what's right for you may not be right for me. And you can't tell me about your rightness, your truth. So the word sin makes us appeal to an objective source of truth. Let me explain that. You and I need objective morality, which means we need a morality outside of our horizontal world. We need something that stands apart. Otherwise it's just subjective. What might be right even for your culture may not be right for another culture. 
And we can't just start applying, well, that culture does this, but I do that. Well, that's subjective. So when we say, is it sin? We're appealing to one who creates, who is above us to say, what does the creator say about this character, about this attitude, about this behavior, about this lifestyle? Is it sin directs our attention right up to the God who loves us. Father, you saved me. You've made me new and I'm finding pleasure here. I want to ask you, is it sin? And you know what? We just sang about his faithfulness. If you'll ask, you'll receive. But I I find sometimes, bro, I don't want to ask because I know what's coming. I'm not asking that question. (laughs) Like you already know. You know why you already know, follower of Christ? Because the Holy Spirit. And that's a gift. That's so good that you don't have to try to figure it out. But he gives us more. So let me show you his word. Paul writes this to the church of Ephesus. He says, for you were once darkness. Say, I was once darkness. I want you to declare that this morning because that is the truth of who you were. I was once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light live as children. Here's who I was before the grace of God, before the saving work of Jesus. I was darkness, but now I'm a child of light. Paul says, yep, live that way. Have nothing to do. And I love this phrase with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. What beautiful imagery Paul is moved by the spirit to write with. Isn't, look, look at that. Imagine fruitless deeds of darkness. That what is done in the dark, what is sinful, it doesn't produce fruit. It is fruitless. You know this is true because once you lived that way and you thought this experience, this thing, If I could just do this, all my friends are saying, once I do this, I'll have joy and happiness. And you do it Saturday night and you wake up with fruitlessness the next morning and it over promises and under delivers. And that's your experience because it's God's truth. Fruitless deeds of darkness. Instead, what do believers get to do? Expose it. Now, let me just say, because it's just so tempting. Okay, cool. I know some people that I need to expose. Oh, I'm sending them this message. When does it go on the YouTube? I'm going to be sending these texts. No, no, no. Before the Bible is a window, it's a mirror. Before you look through it to see someone else's darkness, Jesus says in Matthew 7, you've got a log in your eye. Expose it here, Holy Spirit. Did you even hear what you sang on the last part of that song? I'm calling on the Holy Spirit. Be careful. Because if you call, he's coming. And you want those rivers to flow. Some of us got polluted rivers. And he's saying, I want to expose it. You have nothing to do with that anymore. You're free. That's the good news of being a believer. You do not have to live with resentment any longer. You don't have to be bound up by bitterness. You don't need to be trapped in sexual addiction. You don't have to be greedy or angry or lustful or idolatrous. In Jesus' name, you've been set free. He's freed you. This is a passage of hope. It's who I was, but it's not who I am anymore. There's something in us that says, man, I would, I would love a list. I would love, how many, where are my list people at? 
I love lists. The first thing on my list of items that I love is lists. That is the, I love lists. I'll write that first on my list. Give me that list. I want to check that thing twice. I, I love it. So if you're saying, okay, Pastor Keith, is there like parameters, guidelines, a list? Like what can I use in my life to know? Is it sin? Absolutely. You ready? The Bible. And the Bible comes prepackaged with the Holy Spirit. So it's not just, yeah, but I don't understand the Bible. Cool. Me neither. You know what I do? I read it and I ask the Holy Spirit, show me what you want to show me. How good is God? He gives us his word and he gives us himself to explain it to us. That's awesome. But if you want to step further, you're like, okay, but give me a little something, something today. Like right, where do I start? Cause I'll open this thing up. I don't even know where to go. Okay. All right. Because you asked for it. Even though you didn't, I did for you. Galatians chapter five, verse 19. When you follow the sinful desires of your sinful, uh, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, that's that, is it sin question? When you follow that, here's the results. They're very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures. Let me, let me pause here and we'll read more. I want to just show you how what God creates is good and then how sin distorts it and it gets death attached to it. Um, how many married people would say that sex is good? Don't be shy. Don't be embarrassed. Come on, somebody. Come on, girl. Sex is good because God made it. When God made sex, he said to Adam and Eve, who Genesis tells us was husband and wife, be fruitful and multiply. When God made sex, it is good when it is experienced within the covenant marriage of a man and a woman. That is God's word. What does sin do? Sin says, nah, it's for everybody. Now go ahead, sleep with whoever you want. You don't need marriage covenant. You don't even need man and woman. All of that is wrapped up in sexual immorality. And that's why, just this isn't, you don't even need the Bible for this. Don't you see that we are a culture that is filled with pain and heartache and guilt and shame and loss in the area of our sexual relationships? Because we've just said, no, no, anything goes. And God's like, no, I have a better plan for you that is guilt-free pleasure, not a guilt-connected pleasure. And I want to say to you, if right now you're, okay, so Pastor Keith, like this is hitting me. What do I, what do I, come into the grace of God. He loves you. You are not excommunicated. You don't have the scarlet letter. It's none of that, but rather it's the grace of God that's saying, I want to heal that. I want to change you. I want to make you new. I want you to experience sex the way that I designed it. And if you feel uncomfortable, do not come to church on February 19th. Because I'm preaching on eros, the Greek word for sex. So we go in there, a little preview. But because I just want you to see church, God's got the best plan. He's got the best for you. He's, he's got the best for you and I. Don't let sin take that away. Keep reading because it's awkward. Idolatry, sorcery. I said sorcery. I'm so hungry, dude. <laughs> It's day 15. I'm so hungry. Get some saucery up in here. I want pasta again. I want bread. I want some saucery. <laughs> Woo, it's a sin. Saucery is a sin on day 15. Let's go. My goodness. <laughs> Sorcery. 
get up in that big old pot. All right. <laughs> Hostility, quarreling, jealousy. Anybody else just thinking now about like, like sauce? Dang, I'm hungry. Jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division. Keep, watch this, keep going. Envy, drunkenness, wild parties, other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. What I love about Paul's list here is we see both inherit things that are just wrong. They are wrong for believers. They're not for you, Christians. And also there are things that because of sin, now the good has been distorted. Drunkenness is over excessive. Sexual immorality. Like sin has taken what God has said is good and takes the limits off it and it becomes dangerous. But here's why this passage is a freedom passage and a passage of hope. You and I don't have to live this way. Somebody give God praise that you're not a slave to sin. Like you're not a slave to it. You don't have to live that way. So you can experience, can Christians have joy? Absolutely. I would say Christians can have a greater level and depth of joy than those who don't know Christ because we don't become trapped to it. And when we ask, is it a sin? Jesus says, yup, and I want to remove it from you. I don't want to beat you up and cast you out. Come here, my child. We're going to heal this. I believe today God's going to do a healing work in some of you. You're so burdened by sin and he loves you. And Jesus says, come to me and find healing. He's got a plan for your life. Is it sin? Here's a second question that believers get to ask. And this one is so not normal in the world. Can I share it? Can I share it? What does the world tell us? When you find something that you love, you make it all about who? You. It's all about me. It's my thing. This is for me. It's my money. It's my job. It's my pleasure. It's my food. Make it all about us. The believer gets to say, no, no, no. God's given me things to share. Like the believer gets to be open-handed with everything that the Lord's given us. When Paul wrote to the church of Corinth, he tells them specifically in the area of money. I think he's so specific because if there's one area that it's hard for us to share, isn't it money? Jesus said so. He said, you can't serve two masters, either God or money. That master has the ability, that money has the ability to be your master is how strong it is. And I can't share this and I can't help others and I can't give financially. Well, here's, here's what Paul writes. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter nine, remember this. So we got to remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Don't miss verse eight. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. For the believer, there is provision from God so that we can share. The world says, my money, my stuff, store it up. It's all for me. And whether it's out of, we, we call it wisdom, I'm just being wise, just being safe. I'm just trying to build security, trying to build my net worth for me. That sounds nice. But if you're a believer, you're called to share. Not to the extent that you are impoverished. You could read on for that. But don't, don't try to fabricate your greed. 
God gives us things to share. And it's not just money, it's, it's all things. Like the pleasure that you enjoy, share it. Here's what we see the church did in Acts chapter two. It says, all the believers met together in one place. Read that with me and what? Shared everything. They shared everything they had. And just in case you're wondering, does that include money? Because again, that's the hard one. Verse 45, they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. How cool is it that a distinction that was made in the first church, in the first century, that the people looked on and said, oh, I know you're a believer. How do you know that? Because you share things. Like it was, it marked them. So like you want to be marked as a believer by something holy, something spiritual. You carry your big Bible to church, to work and, and you got the Jesus fish on your car and you got the, the, the Christian swag and the coffee mug and all that. And, and God's like, why don't you just try sharing? No, I want to I wanna look holy. Oh, you want to be a Pharisee. I get it. Because they looked holy, but they didn't share. And Jesus called them out on it. He said, keep tithing. This is what he said. If you're one like, Jesus told the religious, keep tithing. Also, don't forget about mercy and justice and doing good. So it's a both end. So I would suggest to you today, if you have pleasures you're enjoying, try sharing them with others. Try, try sharing. And, and yes, money, but also some of you, you're so good at photography. You're so good in the arts. What if you invited someone else to be a part of that with you? You love, you love nature. You love taking walks. What if you invited someone? There's something in us that says, no, no, but if I share it, it may not be as good. It, it may not matter as much. Yeah, but that's, that's not the mark of a believer. Bring someone else in. And, and on day 22, if you make sauce, Bring me in. <laughs> C.S. Lewis says that friendship is formed when you meet someone and you ask this two-word question. You too? Like you as well? Oh, I didn't know that. Wow. Now we get to experience this together. But so much of this world tells us don't share. And, and let me give you some, just quick, some, some reasons why the world says don't share. Um, it could be because of pride because it's your thing. That sounds pride. It's selfishness. It could, be, it could be because of insecurity. Yeah, but if I share this thing that I enjoy with someone else, a friend, and then they, they get better at it than me, then the friends are going to go to them instead they used to come to me. In a world that is so focused on influencers and followers and popularity, and even in your own friend circles, could it be that you're not sharing because you're worried about your identity? Well, as a believer, you don't have to worry. You're a child of God. So share, <laughs> share. It, here's the last question, which may be hardest. And these are all buildings. So as you see this question, remember we're establishing it's not sin. It's something I can share, but here's the last part. Will I surrender it? Will I surrender this thing? So again, if it's sin, that's the first question. We are called to surrender our sin to the Savior. He forgives us. He removes the sin. But now we're kind of working through it. We said, okay, Pastor Keith, like, I enjoy this thing. It's not sin. And, and, and I'm sharing it with others. So let's ask a deeper question. If God calls you to give it up, maybe not forever, but for a season, would you? Could you? 
The people of Corinth were struggling with this question. And so Paul writes to them again, not about sin. Here's his words. You say, and he quotes them back to them. I'm allowed to do anything. And then he tells them this, but not everything is good for you. Like you're saying, I can do this. Sure, you can do that. But it's not good for you to keep doing that. Maybe. Or even though I'm, I'm allowed to do anything, here's the part of surrender. I must not become a slave to anything. So not just sin, but I must not become a slave to anything. So here's the beauty. Today is day 15 of 21 days of prayer and fasting. And for two weeks now, I have, church, I'm just so like happy to hear from so many of you saying, Pastor Keith, this is what I've been fasting during this time. I've been giving this up. I've been surrendering it. And I've been hearing from so many of you, it's not sin that you're surrendering. Like you're, you're, you're surrendering social media, coffee, bagels, food, whatever it is, you're, you're surrendering. Why? Simply so that you're not a slave to anything. Because the Holy Spirit's doing some work in some of you to say, could you, could you go without that? Could you, could you declare to your own body that you are led by the spirit and not led by the flesh? I mean, this is just, this is a building question for us. And it's also an ownership question. Because let me remind you, when you ask, can I surrender it? First, you're reminding yourself that it, it's not mine anyway. He made it all. Any pleasure that you're experiencing, remember, it is good. It's still good. He gave that to you. He gave you the job. He gave you the relationships. He gave you the food. He gave you the friends. He gave you everything. So the first, the first thing that says is, wait a second, I'm not an owner. I'm a manager. I, I just manage the Lord's resources faithfully. The second way this question shows ownership is it shows us, mm, does that thing own me? So I don't own it. It's God's. But if I'm having a hard time surrendering it, possibly it owns me. I'm actually a slave to it. And so church, I just invite you with one week left, six days before this 21 days concludes. What if this week you go home today and you ask the Holy Spirit, what might you be calling me to surrender? Just cause it's not sin. I'm sharing it. But for these next days, I want to surrender to remind my spirit you're in charge. I'm not a slave. This Saturday is water baptism service and we're so excited. So many of you are getting water baptized and we can't wait to celebrate with you. And um, I put the branding out for this baptism service. The Lord just spoke to me in the quiet moments of, of 21 days. And so we're calling it bagels and baptism <laughs> because I've been surrendering bagels for a few weeks now. And you're about to see your pastor have at least four bagels after the people get water baptized. It's going to be awesome. But like, I just give you that example because are bagels sinful? No. I'll share my bagel with you, maybe. <laughs> Not on Saturday. <laughs> Get your own. Okay, so I'm hitting that box, but God, can I just go? I mean, it's a bagel. You look at how basic that is, but for some of us, we are literally enslaved to things that basic. The thought of going without breakfast, breakfast for you, like, it, no way. Well, just trust the Lord. See what he might do. Give him a shot to work. He is God after all. He just needs willingness. And also, he, he used a donkey. So if you're not willing, you're going to be used by him anyway. We're just going to call you a donkey in the process. 
you're still going to be used, but you're going to miss out on it. Why not? Why not surrender and walk in step with the spirit? He's just good. So take that. I want to end this way. Can believers experience pleasure? I say absolutely. But here's the pleasures believers get to experience. Not guilty pleasures. Go have fun. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Bring people into it. Be generous. But know this, with Jesus, there is not guilty pleasures. Let me share some of them with you. The first pleasure we get is freedom and salvation. Get a little better amen there. You're free. You're saved. You want to talk about pleasure? You have been transformed. You are a new creation in Jesus Christ. Your whole life has been changed. Your whole outlook has been changed. That's a gift from God that you get to experience and it's for all. So if you don't know him today, in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to receive the gift of salvation, to be made new. You get the gift of a new family as a follower of Christ. Here we call it Blaze Fam. Some of you, you have the Blaze Fam coffee mug. Who has a Blaze Fam coffee mug, right? Like if you're how do I get that? The growth track, it's in the back there. Just scan the QR code. There's a family. There's a children of God. We're brothers and sisters in the Lord. You have a new gospel community. We talked about it today. You have the gift of generosity. You just meet some stingy people and you'll see that is a gift that God's given you. How many of you received the letter yesterday or this week highlighting all the generosity that was done in the church this year, right? Like we, you played a part in that, those who gave financially to see first time guests and blessing our school district and giving away toys and food and making a space for children to know Jesus. Like that's, that's a gift. That's joy. And, and watch this last, all the gifts that God just freely gives because of his grace to everybody, believers or not, food and drink and nature for the believer, you get to experience those things in a way that is deeper because you know the creator. So you don't become a slave to that thing. Can I, can I give you one, one clear example for that that I think is so relevant in our culture? As a believer, you know the star breather himself. You know the one who created the constellations. You know the creator and you know the created. And you and I can marvel at the created, look up to the stars and say, wow, my God made that without having to say, tell me my future. Give me my horoscope for the day before I make this choice. Romans chapter one says that there are people who traded, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie by serving the created instead of the creator God. And you just need to hear that believers, that sin is not for you. Astrology is not for you, but here's the beauty. Marvel at the stars and read the Psalms where David says, I look at my God who breathed out the stars and praise the one who does know your future. (laughs) Isn't that better? I mean, he's the God who knows it anyway. Let me pray for you. And then we're going to sing a song that declares he is the only one that we find our pleasure in. God, I thank you for this time in your word and that you give us a hope. You give us a future. That you are the God who says, stop, stop messing around and settling for sin, but rather find freedom in the pleasures that I've made. God, we, we repent. I believe many, we're asking the question, is it sin? And you're showing us so that we might find freedom, not so that we could be beat up or cast out, but rather so we could be brought in and be healed and forgiven today. And I thank you that your spirit's doing that work even now.